0: If you're in a management role, one of the biggest investments of your life involves meetings. So it just makes sense to make sure we can do them as well as possible. And so the subject of today's session is building better meetings. Hey, welcome to Communication on Point. I'm your host, Dean Hefta. This program is focused on delivering tools and insights that can help you improve your communication and get better results. Let's get started. So meetings. If you're a manager or in a technical role, you might find yourself spending 30, 40, 60, 70% of your working time in meetings. It's one of the number one complaints that I hear from people in business, depending on the organization, is not only the amount of time that they spend in meetings, but also the ineffectiveness of them. In some organizations, they become this default answer that, well, I suppose we should just get everybody together and have a meeting about it. And so today, I want to talk about some hurdles that we face when it comes to meetings and some best practices of increasing the impact and the effectiveness for when we do host a meeting. Something that I want to talk about right out of the gate that is important to consider when it comes to a meeting is what kind of meeting is it? If we're using the approaches and processes of one meeting in a different type of meeting, we might be frustrated and our audience might be frustrated too. So recognizing that there's different types of meetings, that ties to what's our objective, which is really very important. What's our why around this meeting? So we might have meetings that are simply to inform. We get everybody together, let them know what's changing, what they need to know, what's happening. And there's a there's a layout to that. It's, it's really about understanding what are the key points that people need to take away and how do we structure the layout so that they feel well informed by that. Now, the realization that the goal is their understanding helps us to broaden out that maybe we don't even need to have a meeting, or maybe the meeting can be coupled with some other pieces of information. So if our goal, so we go back to what's our goal, if the goal is to build understanding, maybe we need to send out an email with some of the key information, let people think about it, have a Call where everybody gets together, we add clarity so that they're more informed. We let them ask questions. And so we're really looking at building a strategy to inform people. And the meeting in that case becomes one of the ways that we do that rather than the goal of what we're trying to accomplish. You could also have meetings to discuss things. Maybe there's uncertainty or lack of clarity or some strategic type discussions that really need the involvement and the conversation of people. And so By design, you're getting people together to have discussions. It doesn't mean that there's necessarily a decision. Uh, It doesn't mean that it's just to inform. And why this is important to understand, if this is just a a creative thinking session, if this is a uh, just thinking about possibility session, is we need to lay that out in the expectation of the attendees. If they've shown up thinking that there's going to be a decision made or that they don't need to participate, but they can be a passive listener, they're expectations aren't going to be met. So in organizing meetings, I want to be able to to know what should people expect as an attendee and what am I expecting from them so that I can prepare them for that. Now, another type of meeting is a meeting to decide. We're confronted with maybe two or three different decisions that we have to make. And as a team, they affect us and we need to work through the consequences and the implications and develop that approach. And so meetings to decide are going to have different components that we work through to get to that decision. And one of the things that I want to talk about when it comes to meetings to decide that we have to face, realize, and overcome is something called preference falsification. This is what we experience when we go out and poll people uh, who they're going to vote for, perhaps. And you find that in the polling... People say one thing, but then often really believe or end up doing something else. They're presenting something that they want to be accepted by. So maybe they have a sense, maybe they're in the meeting and they have a sense of what the boss or an influential person in the room, the direction they're leaning, the view that they're holding. And whether it's conscious or subconscious, there is this tug of people's presented position toward those influential people's view on things. So preference falsification. Sure, it's frustrating if you're a leader that you feel like, why aren't they just saying what is on their mind or what where they're standing? Well, the reality is we're, we're going to confront this. And so there's some things that we can do to deal with this, to, to make it easier for people to establish where they stand on an issue. When you look at pollsters. Uh, one of the ways that they get a more accurate understanding of where somebody's at is rather than asking where they stand or what they're going to, who they're going to vote for is it's actually more accurate if you ask somebody who most of their friends are going to vote for. That gives you an insight of where are they likely to vote as well. What can we do in the meeting? Well, a couple of things that we can be thinking about is if I'm the leader, if I'm the decision maker, One is I can facilitate discussion about the topic, so be very clear what is the question at hand. What is the question that we are trying to answer? I'd start there. Here's the question. Now let's discuss it. If the leader can hold back their position longer so that people aren't quite sure where they stand, then you can foster more conversation. The leader can then hear that conversation, roll it over, think about it, and then lay out what they see things standing at, where they see the pieces coming together. So having a leader be able to stand back and hold back some of their thoughts longer can help people have more open conversation. The second thing is using polling tools, question tools. Think back to when you were in school. You remember Heads Up 7-Up. We put our head down and raise our hand on a question. So maybe there's 20 of us and someone says, everybody put your head down and raise your hand if you want to have uh, Italian for lunch. Okay, now raise your hand if you want to have Mexican for lunch. Okay, so people aren't looking around to see what the majority are doing. Their heads are down. It doesn't mean we have to do it just like that, but in a meeting, we could be... You know, maybe it's a remote meeting. We could be using different uh, technology tools. Maybe in a physical meeting, we're just going to take a piece of paper and we're going to write our our vote before we have further discussion on this. Where does everybody stand? Any tool that you can use to get a good sense of where are people at. Now we can bring that back as data, as information to say, hey, here's where people are standing. There's 10 of us. Looks like eight of us are thinking this is what we should do. Two people are saying this. I think we need to discuss this a little bit more in more detail. So think about preference falsification and how that can influence the outcome of a meeting. Now let's keep talking about this meeting to decide If the goal is to make a decision, that means at the end, there needs A, to be a decision and B, clarity around what's going to get done and that what's going to get done is real clear action and that action has an owner and that action has a timeline when it's going to start, when it's going to end. So a great practice of any meeting that there has been any discussion that's led to a decision is that decision gets real clear on who's going to do it, what's going to get done, and when it's going to be done by. And you recap that at the end of the meeting. That helps to make sure everybody's on the same page and there's clear accountability of what's going to get done and what we should expect next. Now, I also want to talk about the audience. Who needs to be in the room? If we've decided there needs to be a meeting, which there might not need to be a meeting, maybe we can just send out a memo. But if there needs to be a meeting, we now have to decide who needs to be in the room. When you think about the cost of a meeting, it's significant. Think, for example, it isn't just about an hour of our time. Let's say most meetings end up being an hour for whatever reason. But let's say there's six people in that meeting. That's six hours for the meeting, six work hours for that meeting. And our, our time is much more valuable than we give it credit for. So let's say conservatively, in a let's say in a consulting firm or in, in uh, some sort of white-collar firm. You could use $150 an hour for the cost of somebody's time. Now, they might be saying, well, I'm not making that. Yeah, but there is value to each person's time of what they contribute to the firm. So let's just use $150. Well, if we meet for an hour, six of us, that's $900 that we've invested in that meeting. Did it need to be an hour? Did all six of us need to be there? We can think about the roles that people have. Some people in a meeting need to be there because they have a responsibility around the topic. Maybe it's dealing with their department, a project they're involved in. They are directly responsible and need to be a part of that. They might need to be consulted. So maybe there's a a meeting where we're going through some key elements that require some technical expertise. We need to have people that we can consult in that process of decision-making and understanding. So they're there to be consulted with. Other people, though might end up in a meeting, and they are simply people that are involved that need to be informed. And that's where it can get frustrating. People find themselves sitting in meetings saying, I don't even know why I'm here. All they would have needed to do is let me know what was decided and what we're doing in an email. So if you're organizing a meeting, be thinking about who's really invested in this topic, in this this project, this process that needs to be there, because they have a, a deep level of responsibility. Who might need to be there from a consulting basis or that we have ready to come in if we get to that topic because they have expertise that we need? And who might be there just out of habit that doesn't really need to be there, that we don't need to take their time away, but we can communicate with them. We're having this meeting, letting you know we're not hiding the meeting from you. You're welcome to attend, but what I will commit to you is I'll send you a summary after the meeting, if you choose not to come. See, now all of a sudden they're appreciative because they've freed up an hour of their life. And all they need is to be informed. And if they know I'm gonna be informed, hey, that's awesome. I I know what to expect now. So I'm setting expectations. So we have the objective. You know, what's our objective? What's our why that we're getting together? Now, that is you know, the question that we're trying to answer, and that's going to affect, is this a meeting to inform, to discuss, to decide who's our audience, who needs to be involved in this, and then what's our process? As a meeting organizer, you need to have a clear, understandable process that you're going to walk through and let people know, here's how the meeting's going to flow. First, we're going to talk about this, and maybe the process for that meeting began a few days before the meeting. Don't hesitate to send out pre-work so that people can do work on their timeline, so that they can come to the meeting prepared. Now, if you say, hey, I've tried this before, and they they end up not reading it. Okay, well, if there's a memo or a document or information that needs to be read to have relevant conversation in the meeting, and they have a history of having not done that, take the first 10 minutes, take the first five minutes of the meeting and say, here's information. We're going to take 10 minutes right now, and everybody's going to read it on their own. That way, everybody's on the same page because you want people in the the meeting to have the same information so you can have good conversation. Finally, get feedback. Do reflection. Think about, what about my meetings work well? What do people appreciate? How can I gather information? What could be better so that people get a better experience? Use the approach of constant improvement To figure out how they can take less time, how we can get better decisions made, and how we can clarify the actions that need to be taken. Meetings are not the goal. Meetings are there to help us pursue our goal. Use meetings as tools, not as goals. I hope there's some insights from today that you can apply right now, whether it's in-person meetings or virtual meetings where we're gathering, to get to better decisions, better engagement, better connection with the people around us. If you have topic thoughts, suggestions for guests, or questions that maybe you're wrestling with when it comes to your business, things that you want to work on yourself to increase your effectiveness, be sure to reach out to me. My email is dean at clarusresults.com. That's D-E-A-N at C-L-A-R-U-S results.com. Thanks for joining me today, and I look forward to connecting with you next week.